0: So the world population at present is estimated at 7.4 billion, That's 7.4 billion people that include women, men, transgender, Chinese, Indians, Americans, Arabs, heterosexuals, homosexuals, bisexuals, monotheists, atheists, and polytheists. I'm just naming some of the diverse groups of people based on gender, nationality, sexual orientation, and religious beliefs. From these 7.4 billion, approximately 1.8 billion of these people are gamers. Um, The reasons to diversify are therefore self-evident and should not warrant justification, um, since, in the words of Justin Trudeau, because it's 2015, or in this case, 2017. So instead, dialogue should actually involve strategies to achieve diversity, and that's what we're here to discuss today. Um, so I'd like to hand over to Sally just to mm-hmm. sort of introduce yourself and also yep. how you got into games.
1: Yep, so I'm Sally, I'm an Associate Producer at Ubisoft Reflections in Newcastle, just a couple of hours away. Um, I've been interested in games since I was very, very little. Um, I first played like Legend of Zelda and I was like, holy shit, this game is amazing and this is what I want to do with my life now. So since then I've kind of been on that track for the game industry, I did a degree in computer animation the first job I applied for was actually Ubisoft, and luckily I got the job. Um, so, uh, I've been there five years now. Um, I started in a testing role. I did that for about a year and a half, and for the last few years I've been doing production work. So that's you know managing people's schedules, you know team management, building teams around uh, features that need to be completed for the AAA games that we make. So a few games that I've worked on, I worked on Just Dance to begin with, it was a very fun game, I was testing that, dancing all day long, so it was very tiring, but it was awesome, um, and I beat my dad all the time on Just Dance, he had a go, but he couldn't beat me. Um, and then I worked on Watch Dogs for a bit, and now I'm working on uh, Tom Clancy's The Division, so yep, that's impressive. a bit about
0: me. And Sally was also on the Develops 30 Under 30 oh, yes, as well. Oh yes, yes, yeah. well, a couple of days ago I found out, so that's cool. Thank you, Kish, over to yourself.
2: Hi, I'm Keshe Arani. Um I'm currently freelancing in the video games industry. Uh, been 21 years in the video games industry. Started all the way back in Scotland. Uh, so I graduated from Edinburgh University, and uh, my first job was at uh, Vis Interactive uh, in Scotland. And uh, my link to Glasgow would be, I think, the only time we ever came to Glasgow because it was the popular thing back then, I'm sure it isn't now, was pub girls. Uh, <laughs> it's just a social thing to do, <laughs> otherwise we just stuck around with Dundee and uh, Edinburgh. Um, my uh, entry into the video games industry slightly odd in the sense, this is 21 years ago, I wanted to be in the movie special effects because that was the norm, and that's where I, w- I, just w- I was a programmer. I did computer sciences, so uh, that's what I really loved. And it's odd to say now, but uh, it was my second choice and uh, luckily, I found a job I was at Edinburgh University, and uh, while mm-hmm. I was still studying, uh, they were looking for really good computer graphics uh, students, so got a job uh, over here and I think earlier on I think a lot of people mentioned this moving away. absolutely loved Scotland, especially living in Edinburgh, uh, and really wanted to stay here, uh, but unfortunately, after two years. Uh, with my first job in the video games industry i had to move down to london uh where i got my next job in the video games industry and uh, i just stayed there didn't come back um I, i'll just give a couple of sort of company names or so because i think uh, you, you've got one of the questions which links to the colorful companies i've worked with uh, so i've worked at bbc multimedia um uh, uh, Microsoft, uh, Sony of last, uh, last eight years I was at Sony, I was head of developer services, so effectively anything which is technical within the video games industry in the historic power region, uh, that came through my division. Uh, before then I was making games, uh, actually at BBC I should mention one game which everybody should know, even if you are a game or not, I uh, worked on Bob the Builder, <laughs> and um, quite a few other games which are your typical stereotypical games of extreme violence and it's just what games was back then and uh, seems to be selling really really well as well so companies like Acclaim, THQ um, and uh, obviously it's in uh, Scotland with Interactive where I started and I think they worked on Earthworm game Gym which was again about shooting and then another game which is about shooting as well. So, <laughs> <that's>, uh, <laughs> some, and you're currently
0: thing. chair of BAME as well? Yes, so yep. the
2: main reason I'm on this panel, actually, I guess, <laughs> uh, is also as a side, uh, as a volunteer, I chair the BAME Games, which is Black, Asian and Minority Ethnic uh, advocacy group uh, in the video games industry. We're actually in a very soft launch in the sense we just started last year around summertime, and it's all volunteers, so effectively almost like IGTA, uh, we are effectively volunteers of people. In fact, three volunteers of people who are running this. As well as that, I'm on board uh, member of Women in Games as well. Uh, it's just the same person who's founded it, so it makes sense, although gender-wise I didn't quite fit Women Games, but... <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I think before we go a bit... Um, um, further ahead, um, do you want to just maybe tell us a little about the stats that you have from your work at Bain recently, just
2: sure. before we jump in? But um, the more important figures on here, and I think come on, you may probably mm-hmm. cover the women one, yeah. but uh, I'll just cover the Bain part of it mm-hmm. so. so um, creative creating media industries, uh, create out this survey sort of every two years I think, so this one view uh, and a survey going to be going out this year so, this was from 2005, then they published it the year after. And basically, let me stand that a little bit, a lot easier, although I know mean, you probably can't see it, so. Uh, but video games industry comes along there. So, it's roughly about 70,000 people who are surveyed. And uh, we are amongst the low, uh, and I'm saying we as in collectively, all of you will be joining the games industry because it's the most amazing industry ever. Um, <laughs> the 4%, pretty much all the way down to uh, other similar sort of ish um, sectors like uh, animation and um, as well as, uh, I think there was one more which is equally low, uh, film as well. Um, But again, if you look at all this in terms of higher up there, TV and radio, we are very, very low. And a lot of these figures, I take them... Uh, relative, and they make a lot more sense, because otherwise, you could probably break it down and just say, well, 400 people surveyed is it is not that very big a number or so, but that's terrible, and there are figures which were released in 2012, and in 2012 it was actually 4.7, and right now it's 4, and I think 0.7 is, uh, you can say, margin of error or so, and I won't be surprised if that same surveys done now, it could be very similar, uh, it'll be around 4% or so. Um, I'm going to slightly touch on women uh, in games. Um, it's the same survey, and that used to have a terrible, around 5% or so, about eight years ago, and the last survey over here, you can see that it's tremendous, I mean, this is great figures, not good enough yet, but it's 19%, and a lot of work went into Getting into that level or so, but in gaming games, the reason why I volunteered to chair as well is uh, when I saw this figures I said, "Well, you we need to bring this awareness. One, uh, if anything, uh, and two, if we can help at least three or four other people to join this industry who are otherwise not considering for whatever reason." And I emphasise that it's people considering to join the industry rather than an industry which is stopping them from joining.
0: Okay, thank you. Um, So that kind of brings us on to the next bit. You touched upon the fact that there's 19% of women in the games industry, um, yet we have more than 50% of the world's game playing consumers as women. Um, So why do you think there's this sort of, um, you know, mismatch between the numbers and why is this not reflective in the the numbers that are making games? So for me, I think there's multiple different factors
1: of it, but it starts from a very young age Mm -hmm. in my experience. So... Um, stereotypically, obviously, video games are in towards a, a male market and you're sometimes actively discouraged from liking them. So while people were playing Barbie and stuff like that, I loved Ninja Turtles and stuff that was t- <laughs> stereotypically not girly. Mm-hmm. And it can it can be very difficult to be that person that's different and to put yourself out there and to challenge what the stereotype is. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you feel even at a very, very young age. Mm-hmm. So I think that is something that, that comes... Um, from a young age as I mentioned mm-hmm. um, and that continues throughout you know your school life um, I was the only female on my game course so you know it just mm-hmm. continues through, throughout your life but um, I think it's really important that we don't just think oh well girls just don't like video games and mm-hmm. they're not interested mm-hmm. because I think that's not the case like our Just Dance franchise has 65% female player base um, Rayman players make up 42% of our player base so I think there is things that are welcoming female players um, and I think that it's not just a case that females just don't like games mm-hmm. there's definitely a way to make games and a way to tell diverse and interesting stories mm-hmm. that can appeal to a wider audience mm-hmm. and I think that's something we need to continue to look at
3: mm-hmm.
0: oh, uh, Kish any more insights? I mean I do agree with what Sally's saying, I think it does start at a much younger age mm-hmm.
2: um, Absolutely, and I think video games industry the beauty of it being a young industry is I don't think we ever, ever, ever uh, in our history had that sort of set prejudice way back where if we look at construction industries etc mm-hmm. which started in the industrial revolution mm-hmm. they had a sudden set of who could get in and who couldn't yeah. so uh, including at board levels especially mm-hmm. in those sort of uh, heavy uh, industries so uh, video games industry has never been that but you're absolutely right it has been that and i I guess I can use this um, not being sort of uh, just because I'm brown or so, but it's been stereotypically white male industry. uh, And it just started that way. It's not because they decided to pick that. It's just those, uh, um, it's sort of the industry where um, I love playing games, so I'm going to make games. Mm -hmm. And that's how it started, really, uh, in a bedroom somewhere. And that's just how it grew. And a lot of these advocacy groups really help, uh, including women in games or so, is we want to change that because that. It's great. It started an amazing industry, but there's so much of richness. Uh, it, you know, every game now being developed needs an accountant, a lawyer, legal, uh, multiple others. And again, I think a lot of people personally, I think not being attracted to a lot of the jobs is because, oh, I don't play games. So mm-hmm. why should I be making oh, being a lawyer in mm-hmm. video games industry where I can go to somewhere else? Mm-hmm. So, I think a lot of this is more down to perceptions of individuals, and the number of people who are applying for jobs mm-hmm. in the industry is not as still high. Uh, I'm going to use the other somebody else mentioned this because it's very culturally sort of significant. Because um, every single person here will probably have to justify the, their parents, their guardian, their uncle, or so why they're going to be accepting a job in the video games industry, uh, and especially when you're an ethnic minority. And I'm not talking on behalf of women, but I think. Both of us tend to it be a bit more struggle mm-hmm. culturally, just having your family actually accepting that that's a job you can actually have. Mm-hmm. And uh, things are changing, yep. but I don't think we're still there yet. And no. I think it's a factor. Mm-hmm. And, uh...
0: Absolutely. I mean, I know myself. Like um, uh, when I look at my own culture, there are only certain prescribed career paths you can go down: um, doctors, engineers, um, lawyers. Come a bit further down than that, but um, I mean, the games industry doesn't exist. And I know when I decided to pursue a path. Um, Uh, in the industry that trying to explain that to my gran it was just non-existent because she didn't understand what this was so I had to kind of take a step back and say well it's in IT and that she sort of grasped but um, I don't think there was that sense of real pride and achievement until I told her oh well you know I'm, I'm going to do a PhD first so she understood that much. Um, and I think it gave a bit more credibility but um, that, that is a big problem certainly in my culture as well that you know, it's not taken as quite serious um, uh, and certainly parents don't want you to go down that path
1: When I've spoke to parents, we do a a gaming school for Mm -hmm. young people at Reflections, and we work with an art school to do that. And we have the opportunity to speak to parents there, and a lot of them have this kind of preconception about the game industry that it's not a serious career, Mm -hmm. you know, that, hey, do you just play video games all day and stuff? I get asked that question a billion times a day. So, you know, it's it's good to speak to parents and to Mm -hmm. let them know that it's a viable career. There's a lot of good opportunities within the industry because it is still seen as... You know, like, not, se- not really serious. No
2: mm-hmm. I'm going to add, uh, yep. the amazing things, uh, some games which unfortunately don't design this, this just happens, uh, mm-hmm. things like Candy Crush, um, Pokemon Go, uh, um, Angry Birds, etc. Um, all these games bring a lot of sort of credibility to the industry because uh, parents, even if they will play games and I, personally I think every single person has probably played a game while waiting for the train or whatever on their mobile phone mobile phone is the most amazing thing that's happened to the industry and a lot of these games which everybody has heard of, everybody now I hope has heard of Pokemon Go whether they've played it or not, sometimes it's bad publicity but mostly people understand this is a credible industry which is doing millions of dollars or so uh, and I think that makes also a difference in Paris to say well, okay, I could relate to that. That was in the news, and yes. that's that's a job people can have. Mm-hmm. So, so praying to those those sort of games uh, as well.
0: Uh, so, do you think who does the responsibility then lie with in terms of? Uh, I mean, if we're talking about trying to change the mind of young people and educating them a bit more about, you know, the fact that there are women in the games industry, um, who should be? tackling this problem? I mean, it, does it lie with the industry? Do they need to work more closely with schools? Um, does it lie with the universities? Do they need to work closer with the schools? Or do schools need to take that initiative? So from my, sp- my perspective, I think we do have a lot of
1: responsibilities in industry mm-hmm. to make sure that people feel welcome, people feel included. You know, I love my job. I think it's amazing. It's a creative industry. And there's so many different routes you can take. The game industry has so many different disciplines, programming, art, and there's, you know, testing, production, there's so many different things that people could be interested in doing. Mm-hmm. Interested in doing. And I think it's really important that we speak like this, you know, talk mm-hmm. about diversity in the industry and also um, raise awareness about what the indes- what it's like to be in the industry. And it's our responsibility to do that, mm-hmm. I think. And it's something that we're trying to do at Reflections with the uh, scheme that I mentioned earlier, with the art school, making sure young people are aware that it's a viable career and mm-hmm. it's something that's really interesting Um, even people who are not interested in video games there's a lot of you know there's arts involved there's there's creativity it's Mm -hmm. it's there's a lot for everybody i think Mm -hmm. and it's important that everybody's voices are heard in that
3: absolutely Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: i think kids wise uh, tech historically what would have been board games Mm -hmm. or games outside although probably doesn't get perceived well but video games is played by Almost every kid, mm-hmm. um, to some extent, I think in a, in a restaurant or so, a kid will get the parents' phone and play on the phone mm-hmm. as well, even if they're not allowed to play games or so. So I, I don't think the problem is down there. Mm-hmm. I think if you ask any kid, and this is actually the most amazing thing, uh, which people should realize that um, when I was, although I'm going to loosely relate because I'm quite old. Mm-hmm. Um, um, when I was young, I wanted to be an astronaut. Or so it's, it's you know, the age of six or so. What do you what are you going to be? That's what you will probably end up saying. Or so uh, what I love, what's amazing, uh, there was a sad patch of I think maybe ten years ago, or so where people wanted to be instant celebrities and uh, go on stage, um, all the frame stuff. Or so which I, luckily I think it lasted for about a year or two, where five or six <coughs> years ago I want to be the next celebrity because you just go on stage and uh, you get a big contract. Um, what's amazing now is, uh, and this is uh, all, uh, consistently, at least every other kid I speak to, so I want to be a YouTube blogger, or I want to go on and talk about video games, which is amazing. And this is equivalent to, although I'm not belittling, what amazing job you can be as an astronaut being shot out into space. But uh, being compared to that uh, in current age or so, is the best thing the industry can have. So I think, I don't think the problem comes to the young age or so, university, absolutely, people are studying video games. If you don't know what you're planning to do or so in mathematics, my first degree was mathematics and computer science. It's incredibly boring, but I wanted to do that. And uh, if it was discussed as a video games course which requires mathematics and computer sciences, chances are, you know, I would have actually more likely to have taken that course, although I'm a bad example, I just love maths. So I mm-hmm. but so I think at the university level, we're doing everything right. So after that, I think that's where it goes wrong. Mm-hmm. And yeah. personally, I think uh, people like us standing up here, uh, Sally just saying how exciting is her mm-hmm. job, uh, including myself, mentioning this. I think it makes a difference to a few people just saying, well, okay, I-, I could have a job in that industry. I'm different. Um, if people need that, and I think there are a lot of young people you deal with, this, so. They just don't know what to do next, and uh, I think it helps deciding uh, individuals. Mm-hmm. After that, I think again, games industry is not great at and I think of amazing people sort of sat here and said uh, it's difficult to make games and s- then sell the game and then succeed and make money. And I don't blame anybody then to leave the industry because they have a mortgage and kids and family and whatever else to feel and really you might get into this afterwards or so, but the companies I mentioned, uh, out of those at least three companies I was made redundant. And mm-hmm. um, to me, uh, actually it's, it's fine because it's just, I'm um, in the video games industry, it's what's in my head. I'm doing what I'm enjoying uh, doing. Uh, but again, that probably doesn't help, I mm-hmm. think, to, uh, to, to retain people once mm-hmm. they've
3: got
0: in. Mm-hmm. Um, well, touching upon companies, I mean, you've worked at a number of different companies, um, and in your experience, are there any companies who are sort of tackling this problem with diversity in the right manner? Or are there companies that could be, you know, c- companies that you would maybe highlight? So, I mean, Sally, you mentioned what you guys are doing at sort of mm-hmm. reflections, which is great. Um, uh, in your experience, have you found any other companies to be engaging?
2: So, i uh, worked in a number of companies down to a small... I was programme number two at Biz Interactive. Uh, they just literally started, It was a multimedia company and wanted to start in video games. This was way back in 1995. Uh, all the way to, I was contracting for Microsoft, so I was reporting directly into the US, it was a one-man team on my own, uh, to Sony and uh, BBC as well and I think BBC not because it's video games, we are a small multimedia division, Mm -hmm. but as a big, large corporation, you could see visibilities of, uh, they're making sure everybody's inclusive, Mm -hmm. and nothing specific, it was just networking events, cultural awareness, as a manager you got trained on how not to discriminate, uh, well a lot of those was just common sense, you know. Um, mm-hmm. uh, all the way to Sony, I think Sony is the most interesting one where it slightly backfires when you make it more inclusive. Mm-hmm. So, so at Sony, they, uh, Sony in London, uh, that's where the European headquarters, and when I say European, it's basically the historic regions Australia all the way uh, to every single country minus Japan and North and South America became uh, under Europe. Um, we had an interesting culture where Sony has always had this. So the US office has this huge uh, corporate building with majestic fountain right in the front. And this is something which uh, is very American. And so that, they had a nice open barbecue place uh, outside, restaurants and everything. And then um, in, the, in Japan, it's a very sort of reserved, and but I kid you not, so in the uh, Japan building in Sony, on the ground floor, there's a very, I would probably say four star Japanese, uh, sorry, uh, Italian restaurant, because that's supposed to be a cool thing to have. Uh, in UK, we had a pub. So every Thursdays and Fridays, it was a pub night. and. Probably you guys think this might be very expensive, but in London, one pound for a beer, so heavily subsidised beer was the most amazing thing ever in the eight years I was working at Sony. Now that was to encourage people uh, every Thursdays and Fridays to network and meet, but that doesn't work for somebody who doesn't drink, especially um, people with religious reasons, uh, they would not really want to be uh, in a pub or so. And suddenly you're excluding a certain big chunk uh, out of the people who you're expecting they can network. Mm -hmm. In fact, those other guys will almost feel um, they're not mixing in work-wise culturally as well. Mm -hmm. And a pub is the complete wrong place to actually uh, create that environment for them. Uh, So I think... I I tried a lot to think of what companies would do to make... And I, I don't think there's a single answer because we come in most amazing different... Colorful mm-hmm. world of life, uh, including our temptation down to how we also what we enjoy. I mean, I'm, I'm a classic, non-stereotypical. My I, I was born in Kenya. Uh, my roots are from India, and moved to Britain when I was a teenager. And I love motorsports. And when I was at Edinburgh University, my hobby was skydiving. Now, if anybody was to ever guess from my color of skin and from where I've been brought, that there's no way they would have come to that level. And so, same with everybody else. So I think everybody being different, I uh, don't think we'll be able to nail how we can mm-hmm. make every exclusive. But I think Sony and um, BBC is the two companies where it's put active effort in making sure managers, people in senior positions or so, are trained mm-hmm. uh, into some of these things which are common sense or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, video games industry, I think, personally, we don't really invest in people's mm-hmm. uh, management skills and training skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I say we don't, in the sense that the courses I, I went at BBC, for example, uh, there were uh, at that point, uh, there was a female Eng- England rugby coach mm-hmm. and her job was to train how uh, the uh, rugby players talk to each other mentally as a team. Mm -hmm. She didn't know anything about rugby whatsoever, but she was brought in to train us as Mm -hmm. managers. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying video games industry should be bringing that Mm -hmm. caliber of people, but at Sony and um, um, BBC, they definitely invested into that. Mm -hmm. And in smaller companies, I don't think they can, but I think this is where trade board should be able to Mm -hmm. help us. We we are a young industry and I think Mm -hmm. we've grown very, very fast. Mm -hmm. So people take a lot of some of these things very for granted but we do not invest enough into high-calibre training for managers, directors, CEOs, people who are one-man team running their companies.
1: Yeah, it's something we're trying to really establish at Ubisoft a lot more, like leadership teams, and especially, you mentioned, like, role models and mentors and things like that. I think that's something that you can really do as an industry to increase diversity and to make the people who are minorities feel like they can do that, like it's something that makes sense for them, to have someone visible that's that's a role model for them and can mentor their career is something that's really great. And to touch on what you said earlier about, like, the social aspect of things, um, we have an initiative right now at Ubisoft um, called The Social Club, and that is set up by people within the studio that can set up, um, you know, events, like things surrounding their hobbies, their interests, and then different people can come to those in- those things. So instead of, like, it's, it's just going to the pub and that's it, you know, there's a big diversity in the kind of things that we do in those, so we've had rally driving, we've had sushi making, we've had all kinds of cool stuff. At one time, I think there was skydiving on the table as well. But we're a bit like, we don't want our colleagues to perish, so let's not do that. But uh, you know, there's, there's loads of cool stuff that we've tried to do to get different people interested and different people in the studio talking as well. So I think those kind of initiatives can be really good as well to, you know, together. Um,
2: yeah. I just a company I did work for, but mm-hmm. I happened to be visiting. So Unity's office in Copenhagen. Um, as Head of Development Services I get to visit lots of exciting studios uh, and Unity in Copenhagen we happen to visit on a Friday and every Friday at 4 o'clock they, like any other st- uh, studios or so, they bring in pizzas and beer and everything else. Or so, but what more interesting than that was it was an open mic session. So any of the staff can pick up a mic and talk about something work related, but it shouldn't be what you're working on or confidential. And so much so that they actually allow us as external to stay. Oh, just sit on. Yeah, uh, somebody. If we don't know what happens, somebody will come along and just pick up the mic and start talking. And that makes it more inclusive. Mm-hmm. That means it's all about work as well, not all about drinking and mm-hmm. um, uh, eating as well. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, <laughs> but what was amazing is some guy just stood up and for half an hour talked about uh, some audio side project he's doing, which. I had not a clue what he was talking about, Uh, and I think half the guys didn't either, but he was so passionate about talking about that, and I think that that was amazing, Uh, and it was work related as well, because uh, it's it's technology. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. That's true, I mean, I think a lot of industry-based events um, do centre around drinking quite a lot, and it does become um, exclusive uh, to people who, for religious reasons, don't drink, or who just don't drink. Um, uh, I mean... In my own experience, I don't drink, and that's for religious reasons. Um, but I've always, interestingly in the past, I just always assumed that to be the norm, that this is what happens, so you just have to adapt. Um, whereas now there's much more of, a, I guess, um, a, there's more people coming to the forefront and expressing their opinions that you know there should be more that's available out there, and it's nice to hear that. Um, I think often you find, if you are sort of, or at least in my own personal experience, if you are from like either a minority group or underrepresented group, you try and sort of adapt yourself to fit in, as opposed to maybe raising your voice and saying that, you know, hey, let's take a step back and evaluate what's going on and see, you know, how can we do things to actually include everybody? Um, so Sally, you t- touched a bit about um, sort of what Ubisoft is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your team composition like? Um, so are you the only women in your team in, or, in, or in upper movement. management yes I am at the moment <laughs> in Management, so, right? Okay. yes
1: um the, there are a few we've got female game designers and things like that but mm-hmm. there's still a lot of work we need to do at, at Ubisoft like mm-hmm. this is why we're starting these initiatives right now you know we're still we're still outnumbered quite mm-hmm. a lot so mm-hmm. you know it's it's something that I've, I've been used to because it's been that way my entire life mm-hmm. so you know it's it's i don't th- tend to think about it that much, but mm-hmm. it's something that I feel needs to improve, mm-hmm. and it's something that we're definitely still working on, and that representation and team composition is still an issue mm-hmm. that needs mm-hmm. to be addressed by us so that's why we're putting in these initiatives yes. in place so have
0: you Have you experienced any sort of gender related roadblocks in your career? I know you've only been at mm-hmm. Ubisoft and it's been five years yes yourself, it's been five years it's been quite it okay okay in terms of progression yes
1: yeah absolutely like I found Ubisoft like Ubisoft is the only company I've worked for so. I can really mm-hmm. only talk about that. They have been so, so supportive Mm -hmm. in... This is something that I'm super passionate about Mm -hmm. and something that I really want to talk about a Mm -hmm. lot. Mm -hmm. And they've been really supportive. They've, uh, you know... Have allowed me to set up a diversity committee and mm-hmm. have workshops surrounding diversity and have the discussions about in the studio, mm-hmm. and they've been absolutely nothing but supportive. And it's something that not just Ubisoft Reflections, Ubisoft globally is really interested in improving as well. Mm-hmm. So I've had a lot of discussions with people from Montreal, from Malmo, um, San Francisco, are doing initiatives as well. And mm-hmm. um, because obviously Ubisoft is a global company, we all try and work together to achieve these things. Mm-hmm. So it's it's something that's really on Ubisoft's mind at mm-hmm. the moment, and I think that's really cool that they're supporting me in this. <laughs> So yeah, it's
0: quite mm-hmm. encouraging to hear that, I mean, you mm-hmm. mentioned that you're the only one um, who's sort of yes. in management position yes. mm-hmm. and um, I think a lot of the diversity talks that we certainly attend or mm-hmm. speak about, we do talk about how do you encourage women into the industry but how do you sort of retain the talent mm-hmm. and actually push them through the pipeline yeah. uh, to more senior positions, um, mm-hmm. uh, I think that's quite challenging in itself as well, so yeah. you, you guys mm-hmm. obviously have things in place. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on it, Kish? I mean, are, how do you actually get women to more kind of senior roles? Um?
2: I think a lot of this will, and this is all positive, that mm. it's going to get better, which yes. is a mm-hmm. horrible thing to say, uh, because hopefully it will always get better. Um, but, but I think a lot of seniority, again, I think any female or any person uh, who's different or so wouldn't want to get a certain position just because they're different. Mm-hmm. They need to deserve that position. They need to work hard and get that position. So, And that's why I think you know, the experience, which is trickling through, uh, we, we'll be looking at the stats earlier on. So a lot of those stats, uh, one thing we can't go back in time and create 10 years of experience to that person who did not join the industry or so. So I think and that's what I mean. It, it's getting a lot, lot better. So um, I think that it's already pretty... Amazing, um, sitting on this panel, I'm the minority, which is I love it. <laughs> and um, although probably not in the lottery. if you look around the I think video games industry, absolutely, uh, maybe engineering side, uh, the other way around. So mm-hmm. I think uh, I've managed amazing engineers, and in my career of fifteen years of actively managing, it's very one. Um, difficult to get female uh, engineers to apply for a role mm-hmm. and secondly again you know semi-diversity in colours or so uh, I'll hire the best like with any managers here or anybody running a business here you'll hire the best person out of the 7, 10, 12 people you've downsized. Uh, what we need to change is the number of people applying for that role are diverse enough mm-hmm. and you hire the best Unfortunately, yep. uh, with engineering especially uh, not at that many females uh, and I think I've only managed about one or two, mm-hmm. uh, and sadly as well. Or w- when I worked, uh, they probably left for whatever reasons mm-hmm. or so. And it's been predominantly all male um, engineers uh, mm-hmm. who've always been in there. On the other side, art, design, amazing diversity. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's at the right level as opposed to completely top it over and suddenly you've got 90% female in the art or so. Um, I think a lot of other areas and I think pretty much all other areas apart from engineering you, you're actively working at a studio you might be able to tell me yes, but yeah. I, I think you've mm-hmm. got a balance quite right, which is a good mm-hmm. thing right
1: yeah I mean it it depends on the department like the amount of you know different people in it our creative director is a black guy, so you know he's he's got a lot of experiences that he shares with people as well. Um, And the team composition itself, it it just varies between departments, it's, you know, the trends can be, usually the creative roles have more women in, but we're seeing uh, an interest in programming, especially now that the tools for making games are a lot more accessible to a lot more people, Um, so we're seeing that increase in, in programming roles and just in applicants as well. We're still a little short on programmers as always, but we've seen an increase in people interested in that from a young age, so.
2: You need to write point about middleware, uh, things like Unity mm-hmm. uh, as, as well as Epix, I uh, can't remember the tool they've got, so mm-hmm. it, it sort of removes that sort of programming mm-hmm. part of things which means it becomes very ex- ex- inclusive of anybody who wants to make games can certainly you don't need to be the most tedious, um, computer science engineer to mm-hmm. be able to start a games company. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, we've spoken a bit about sort of um, how do you attract more women, or more sort of um, ethnic minorities, or people from the underrepresented groups into the games mm-hmm. industry. But if we look at the games themselves, how do you feel um, in-game representation actually is currently? I mean, has it changed over the last few years? Are you seeing more diverse characters? Um, is it still the same? What? How do you guys feel? I feel it's definitely getting better, like I mentioned just a minute
1: ago, like the tools for making games Mm -hmm. are becoming a lot more easy, a lot more accessible, so people are creating a lot of independent titles Mm -hmm. and they're able to express themselves more in the games that they create, Mm -hmm. so I feel like... There's still a lot to be done with the industry, but I think I can see a, a, an upward trend. I can mm-hmm. see that improving. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, particularly Ubisoft games. There's Child of Light as a female mm-hmm. character, Watch Dogs 2, um, black main character mm-hmm. as well. So I feel that you know the AAA industry also needs to take a look and do and do more to have mm-hmm. diverse characters and. Tell diverse stories. You can sort of end up in a catch twenty situ- two situation mm-hmm. where, you're like, we need more diverse people to create more diverse content. Mm-hmm. But I think the two can go hand in hand. If you're listening to, you know, diverse stories, mm-hmm. and you've got diverse staff who can put those stories out mm-hmm. in the games, I think, you know, eventually it will it will improve. And I am definitely optimistic about the future mm-hmm. of that. So,
2: I'm going to oversimplify simplify this as an example, but you'll see where I'm getting with this. Um, typically, uh, in a large corporation or even a small team or so if you're designing a game you're looking for a funding you just just on very rapidly quickly prototype and so what happens is people just put in the typical stereo white male as the lead character as a proof of concept or so just to get that commissioning going so and so i was simplifying this but moving that forward it's usually about towards the once the beta and everything else is for, uh, um, sort of done, it's when people realise, well, we need more diversity in these games, uh, why are there no female characters? And that gets sort of thrown in, sort of at the later end. And the problem at that end is that's when press or whoever picks up and just say, uh, a certain company doesn't even know how to model females because they look terrible compared to the men. And it's not because you've got artists who don't know how to model females. So it's just something which is an afterthought. Uh, females actually, we've got a good representation now. You can get a lot of avatars now from day one. It's, that's how it's decided. But I think there was one one of these articles where it's just saying uh, this company doesn't know how to make uh, Afro Caribbean hair. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it is that answer where I just started off with. It's always thrown in right at the end. Uh, so you finished your game and you said, hey, look, uh, this looks horrible in our know, PR point because we don't have enough diverse characters. Let's quickly change that, and that's quickly that tends to be the sort of the one percent of time remaining uh, in your game. Mm -hmm. And I I hope that will change. But then again, with budget constraints, trying to fight uh, to get your IP and everything else funded, or so, uh, it is the least priority. And I I think that's probably going to, fortunately i was hoping to say this is gonna change, but I don't think that'll ever I, change. I really
1: hope it will change because mm. for me, like diverse characters are a must-have for telling an interesting story. Yeah. You know, and like I don't, I haven't ever seen like malicious intent in the fact that it's a Absolutely. white guy, right? So it's just you do what's familiar to you, and if you're under time pressure, you do what feels familiar and what you understand. So I never feel that it's malicious, but I definitely think that it needs to have more thought put into it, which is why discussions about it are so important, because you could say, hey, you know, have you thought about making that a female character? And the guy will just be like, actually, no, I just kind of did what's familiar to me, you know, and it's never, uh, like, intentional from my perspective, but I think it it really is a must-have and it needs to be a priority for the industry to make people feel more included. I think it's super important.
2: And you hit spot on, uh, having diversity diverse team actually brings up these obvious things which otherwise are not obvious, uh, and having a team mm. who are sort of every colour of people who play games, uh, race, gender, etc. Uh, just even one person or so will suddenly realise. Um, so there's one of these guys, uh, uh, they, they were, they're doing a game, I'll give you an example, but I can't remember the name of the game, uh, and it didn't do that well, so that's why I can't remember either, which is not, not the reason I'm mentioning this. But it was a racing game, and uh, every nun play a character in the racing game and they decided to name them random names from history, current culture, but from all around the world. So there was a character called Anil and there was a character from Africa, etc. And um, they just put it in there and they're, uh, they're, uh, while they were looking for their milestone sign up or so, suddenly uh, the venture capitalist who funds the title never looks at the title, just signs off. Uh, and one of their briefings they very obviously said was uh, do not lose money break even or make money and that's all we need from managed companies So they actually played our game and we asked them so how come this milestone took longer and you played the game? They said the names were interesting. They're different and I think that's one thing which you can do without even thinking about it. Yes, uh, every single person here who's going to join the games industry and everybody who is in the games industry that's a very, very simple change you can make. You, don't, you Just rename your player to Random Players and uh, suddenly you'll be the most amazing, creative uh, storyteller in the world.
0: I'd like to now sort of op- open the floor to questions and uh, invite you guys to ask either uh, Kish, Sally or myself any questions that you might have. Oh, Quite a few questions, yep. How
3: does, um, how does break down the breakdown of the in the UK in yeah. America or China or other places in terms of its
1: diversity and the mm-hmm. <coughs> In terms of like the workforce or yeah, the game? Yeah. Um, it can vary, I've seen the stats for Ubisoft and it can vary quite a lot it doesn't seem to be any particular trend at all it just varies between studios and yeah, it doesn't seem to be a particular trend for Ubisoft that I've seen anyway So,
2: so uh, from the figures uh, i talked about women in games mm-hmm. first uh, it seems to be very similar about Twenty percent, nineteen percent, probably lower. I think if you take globally, um, Whereas in gaming games, a diversity uh, from color is slightly odd because uh, you working in Japan, suddenly you are a minority, and uh, so that varies, uh, especially uh, especially in the Eastern, uh, Far East countries so having white individuals are actually extreme minority, those figures would actually say this uh, 4% is amazing uh, but let's just take it the western world or so, um, I think it's very similar uh, same in America as well uh, they have similar issues uh, and um, the whole diversity seems to be uh, again down to I think just the video games, uh, everything I, I wonder if it, uh, but it's everything very, very similar, especially in the western world
0: Matt
3: Sure. Hi, thanks. Great panel. Um my my feeling is that this that particularly women are put off games at a very, very young age. As some of you guys know I have a six year old and she's really into her games, but like she won't talk about it at school. Like today's show in Zelda, and tell and night will bring in the Zelda box and you talk about Zelda. And she didn't want to, so she bought a little Thing. And, um you know and, and she, whenever she's talking about Pokemon in school, apparently the boys of she can't know about that, but you know, she's got a few you know mm-hmm. badges on her adults, she's talking about <laughs> <laughs> and I think this is coming from the other parents because it has to be coming from somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. These five, six, four year olds aren't getting this from nowhere. So how do we do you think that is an issue and how do
1: we get I feel I feel like so in touch with that because that was me like te- like I don't know years ago that was me so I feel it it it's so many different things you know like the even the toy aisle being separated boys and girls and everything that you see um, advertisements and um, it, I, th- I think the like the best thing you can do is just support to so the max like games are awesome that's it but uh, I think it's so ma- there's so many different factors that contribute to that issue. Um, and classmates as well, they have the same perception because they, they see the same thing. Um, I think it's very, very difficult to tackle it, but um, I think just saying it's okay to be different, it's okay to, you know, that's that's the thing that helped me a lot, so that's what I would encourage. So
0: I think, I mean, I can relate to that as well because, yeah. um, again, in school you are one of the very few girls who, you know, likes to play games. Mm. Um, but my experience was that the boys actually thought that that was quite cool. You know that there is, you know, a woman or a girl that's playing uh, game <laughs> So I mean, so it, it can kind of work both ways. But I remember going along to one of those um, BAFTA Young Game Developers workshops, and what I actually found really interesting was that I mean, in terms of the attendance, I wasn't surprised at the split. Um, you know, it was I think one girl in this big group of twenty. Um, but when you know the kids were asked, "Who are games for?" and if you think they're for boys, go on this side, if you think they're for girls, go on this side. What's interesting is that there was only one boy who said that games are for everybody. The girl in that group actually went to the side which was for boys only. And, uh, you know, that came as quite a shock to me because I thought she would probably be the only one who would go along to that side. So I think the problem is there from a young age, and it's hard to tackle it because you you try and sort of... Certainly when I've spoken to kids, I try and tell them that, you know, celebrate your uniqueness and... um, it's okay to be different, but when you're in a school setting and you've got that peer pressure, it's incredibly hard mm-hmm. to stand up and be different. Um, and I think the other thing that I say is, like, school is temporary. You know, don't let this decide what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Um, um, but it, it, it's mm-hmm. hard, and I think having sort of visible role models mm-hmm. um, can change that mindset. Um, so, you know, if you've got somebody like Sally going in speaking um, at school, she's got, you know... The street cred there because you're working at Ubisoft. That makes a, that makes a big, big difference. Um, I think I, I went to school to give a talk once, and um, I was affiliated with GCU, so there was no street cred there because I wasn't a developer <laughs> at Cool Company. But when the kids were st- started asking questions like, "Do you know who's made Grand Theft Auto?" and "Do you know who's?" and if you say yes, I know, you know, some people who worked in the game, automatically they see in a different light. Um, Uh, And they give you that little bit of respect. I think that visibility Mm -hmm. thing is Mm -hmm. also really important, and I think personally that's where industry needs to be a bit more um, forceful in that they need to start kind of um, going in and liaising with schools as well. Um, Mal?
3: Thank you. First, thank you for the Really, very uh, interesting talk on my heart, and it's really nice to hear that it's having a new soft, it's to hear we react to this, Mm -hmm. and also being, again, the industry reacting really well. I think it's really important that, obviously, we tackle things by, and it's, it's a society wide problem, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's good that, it's nice that we're a very young industry and we are reacting to it. Mm-hmm. We are, I and mean, lots of people in the game industry are ambassadors, they going to speak to schools, mm-hmm. and they're really promoting diversity, which is really really, really, really wonderful. But I think, it's all kind of to chicken, chicken-egg thing. I think really our games need to be more diverse. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes that the, the gatekeepers, you know, whether it's, you know, Scotland or UK or Publish, etc. I think they have a bit more power in maybe kind of stimulating um, or incentivizing diversity or diverse content. Because I think it's a very strong, uh, commercial audience for diversity in games, mm-hmm. you know? We are in a global market, you know? We're not making games for Scotland or the United Kingdom. We're making games for the whole, for the whole world, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the cultural offering is so strong I guess I just wonder, do you think that we as an industry industry body should be really kind of prodding a bit more and kind of desensitizing diversity?
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, I think BAFTA is a very good example in the, uh There's a minimum requirement. It's almost very easy to meet. Uh, if you're making a film and it's to be nominated, although um, correct me where from BAFTA or exactly how it is, uh, you wouldn't be nominated if you don't feel the minimum diversity. Uh, in terms of production, uh, especially your titles or so. And I think video games industry, uh, especially when government fundings and things which are available, and I think there's still far, far less government fundings and government involvement. And that's one place which has to be neutral, helping and almost helping financially, saying if your game is different, if your game is diverse, if your employees are diverse, including females, uh, uh, including the minorities as well, so then you get special fundings. Uh, there isn't one right now, a lot of uh, reasons, uh, advocacy groups, but it has been said is that uh, let's change that. The most power here is all of us here, video gamers, uh, we've actually now got a direct channel to developers mm-hmm. using social media and speaking, although if you love your game, I'm sure you still play it, whether it, the, the character looks like you or not. But I think we should actually make a point. Uh, And as soon as you see a game, which is just your stereotypical, certain type of characters in a game, to point that out, uh, and uh, we I think social media power we have right now, I don't think anybody has had that before directly, which affects uh, change immediately. So speak with your, either with your money, uh, or at least uh, be vocal about things which you see are just not quite right in just same old games
1: yeah i think it's a very complicated question you know like saying a body might have an influence on the creative process and like influence how the game is created i think obviously diversity is very very important but like monetary incentives to take a certain tack on a creative process might not be the way that i would do it but as you said, let, getting the players to speak about what's important to them, uh, contacting developers, uh, writing blogs, you know, speaking about what means a lot to the players. That's what I am really motivated by, knowing what the players want to see in the game and things like that. That's what's really important to me. So I think yeah, like having a government body kind of deciding what you might do, I don't know how... That's a complicated question, you know, so I don't know about that. But definitely like, knowing what the players really want and knowing what they want to see in the games is something that's really key and we'd like to see.
2: More of that. So. I certainly come across the
3: conservative backlash uh, in <coughs> some component of our student body and in industry as well. I see a lot of people out there who are saying this diversity thing's gone way too far, it's a whole bunch of up with nothing, and, and it's not an to get significant backlash. It's quite a big thing. Gamer Gate comes out of it, a whole bunch of things coming out of it. And I'm wondering if you've heard most positive stories, but there mm-hmm. must be an undercurrent of that. Uh, backlash within these studios, I mean, how does that play out in practice? Do you see what the first one are very vocal, one of the players will push back against it.
1: Yeah, it's funny because online you get comments like, just let the developers make what they want. If they want to make a white guy, let them make a white guy, right? But as soon as we make a black guy, oh, actually, no, we don't want you to do that anymore. So, you know, it's, it can be very challenging to deal with those kind of very vocal minority, but to me, it is the minority. Like, when you speak to actual gamers, they're like, that are not those, those type of people. Which, their opinion is valid, like they're totally welcome to say whatever they want, Um, but I think it's still really important to realise that they are often the minority of players, and what players care about is making an awesome game, and that's pretty much it. And as long as you have interesting characters, as long as you tell interesting stories, as long as you have interesting gameplay mechanics, that's what actually matters. So, you know, I think people saying, stop doing what you want with the game, it's very, it's it's odd to me, to be honest. Um, I don't see it within the studio, I see it online a lot though, so it's something that's visible online, very much so. And that, that might be a factor that puts people off joining the industry, because they might think the industry reflects what people talk about online, but in my experience it doesn't at all. Like People are very supportive of trying new things, having variety in our, the content that we put out, so I, I would say that it's, it's very much vocal minority online rather than the industry itself, for, in my experience anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you guys, what
3: do you think? I-
2: can echo that. Uh, uh, it is always the minority who are the loudest uh, because they have something to say and I think a lot of people, the uh, easiest uh, voice is always people don't know what they want but they know what they don't want and a lot of this where you just say certain people are just used to my character always being that white uh, uh, individual with the biggest gun ever so I just want that and nothing else. And then as soon as you change that, you will hear a big backlash on that and suddenly uh, it becomes the biggest thing ever and uh, almost a validation of, no, you shouldn't change anything. Well, yeah, I, don't think, I think it's a poor excuse and I mm. think it's the minority. And minority always would be louder because they have time to speak about certain things. The majority will just get on with stuff and uh, buy your game and play it, basically. Mm,
0: mm-hmm. I think also just, I mean, I have no figures or statistics to back this up, but I think a lot of these issues do exist more across the pond in the US than they do over here. Um, Just I mean, this is just pure observation, so like I said, no data to back it up. Um, But I think even also in terms of issues that women have experienced working in companies, I think it seems to exist a lot more um, stateside than it does here. but That's my own personal experience. Um, I think we've got time for one more question and yep.
3: Um was just a kind of observational um to onto this that almost nicely wraps up, up into both of the previous panel is that games literacy was talked about a lot and to me a lot of these issues almost stem back to that And all roads lead to Rome kind of way. That if you get more games literacy out there you'll dilute the stigmas, you'll dilute know, the you know lopsided applicants you mentioned to different jobs, I think the kind of literacy almost becomes the core root of all all issues there for me, is that the more games literacy you have in, in culture and in, in, in the world, the more understanding you have and the the less backlash, the less stigma, the more different people from different backgrounds are more going to be um, encouraged to sort of step into that ring. I was just wondering whether yeah, I think that?
1: games is a strange one because it's the only kind of media industry that has a specific type of audience where films can be enjoyed by anyone. And I think we'll get there eventually. And it is about like depth, depth of stories, variety of stories, which is why I talk about variety so much. It's about having you know different perspectives, and that brings depth to the games that interests more people. Um, so I think yeah, it definitely has tie-ins to like the literacy of games and the depth that you put out in a video game as well.
2: In addition to literacy, I'll say uh, what's amazing, what's happening right now with things like Pokemon Go or, say, uh, Facebook acquiring Oculus. Or so, uh, the Wall Street, uh, using Wall Street as a general, but the financial powerhouses of any given country who fund video games industry are not that well funded from outside, as in venture capitalists bringing in new money. It's well established publishers like Govantua, Gini, so big players. So, there's a lot of money there which is making games in there but every other industry out there successful industry a lot of money comes on from external investors and that's changing and I think that's amazing uh, and that's where when you hear all these new headlines of uh, Pokemon Go especially uh, and I think uh, Facebook buying uh, Oculus or so that actually brings in new wealth in the industry which means more jobs created for you guys because there's more money to publish more different titles, experimental titles or so, and that's already started, I think, a good five five years ago, so that's very, very active and I think it's just going to get better and better, mm-hmm. and we should celebrate that, actually.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Um, I think that's it for the Q&A part. Um, before I finish up, I'd just like to point uh, um, an article that was published on the, or a report that was published on the BAFTA website. Yep. It's about succeeding in film, TV, and games. Um, so it's, it looks at sort of career progression and the keys to sustained employment for individuals from underrepresented groups. It's available on the website. Um, so if you go and have a look at that, that's obviously got a lot more information in there. And uh, BAFTA also have a number of different initiatives um, to encourage kids into the games industry. So the Young Game Developers Workshop. If you are already in the industry as well, there's the BAFTA Crew. Uh, Program that you can um, apply to, which I'm a member of. I know Tony was a member of as well. Um, I was as well. You were as well. So I was there's quite. I was a... because
2: we right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think you reach a point where they do kick you out and uh, encourage you to go for a BAFTA membership as well. Um, so there are a number of things available, and if you are looking to sort of progress your career, um, definitely go check out the BAFTA website as well. Um, so I'd like to thank my panelists Sally and Kish, and thank you all.